0: Sunny 16 presents. Welcome to episode 29 of I Dream of Cameras, the podcast about cameras and camera collecting, brought to you by the gang at the Sunny 16 podcast. My
1: name's Jeff Greenstein. And my name is Gabe Sachs. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is episode 29.
0: Track 29.
1: <laughs> you know, I've I've four very important things that I bet you didn't know about the number 29. Gabe, I really want to know those things. Well, let me start with this. Um, first <laughs> of all, Saturn requires over 29 years to orbit the sun. What? Yeah, this is this is extremely true. 29 is an album by the musician Ryan Adams. Does Brian Adams have an album called B29? <laughs> yes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> And two more very important things, okay? Two more. According to USA Today, 29% of married couples share a toothbrush. (laughs) And in bingo, ball number 29 is called in your prime. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. 29. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. Episode 29 commences. We are here. And we have a lot to cover, gang. Here's what we're going to do. Of course, we're going to start with a voluminous... (laughs) mailbag. But before we get to it, I just want to tell you, stay tuned. This may end up being one of our patented Excel episodes because the back half of today's show is the long-promised, the vaunted, the anticipated, the eagerly, excitedly, what's another synonym for anticipated, Canon show. We are going to talk about
1: Canon cameras today. This is one of our branded episodes. We haven't done one in a while. Oh, this is true. Very exciting. What do you think? I'm so excited about the canon show. I am. All right. Really, you know, one of my first faves. All right. But curb your excitement for the moment
0: because (laughs) it is time to dip into that voluminous... Mailbag. Guess who's first up, Gabe? That would be our good friend, Rolf Tesson. Oh, my And I'm going to speed through these guys. You're going to see me do the speed-ready version of this. He is responding to several episodes back. We're going to go starting with, where have all the cameras gone? He said... Your recent email correspondent covered most of the causes, but here's another one. Recently, in speaking to Forster's Camera Repair in Salt Lake City, I learned that an affiliate shop had gotten a request from a school for 50, that's O Pentax K1000s. Oh, wow. If schools are really getting back into the analog photography business, they are going to scoop up the remaining supply of 35mm SLRs in a hurry. That's okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with it too, especially if there's K1000s, which I don't care about. Topic two, (laughs) infinity locks. These are on screw mount lenses so that the focusing helical doesn't rotate while mounting the lens. Hmm. So why are they on a few bayonet mount lenses? One theory is that lights had a number of screw mount lenses already built and these were converted to bayonet at the factory. I have a 50 millimeter rigid Summicron and M mount that has an infinity lock. Very annoying. Infinity locks suck. I don't like them. (laughs) Moving water. This is Rolf. Okay. (laughs) Rolf has started mocking me regularly on Instagram. I think this is another example of that. Under the heading of moving water, he said, please explain what shutter speed you would use at F32 to stop the water without the motion effect.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's, yeah,
0: that's a dig. In the best way possible. That's a little dig at me and my reflexive hatred of uh, slow motion water shots. The Voigtlander Perkeo. I think the Agfa Isolette, he says, is just about the same size and version 3 has an uncoupled rangefinder. Do you know this camera, Gabe? No, but I love this idea because I loved your camera, so. Yeah, uh, we got to look into that. Agfa Isolette. Right. Which means small island. I guess oui, there are oui. probably other folders with about the same dimensions. And then he says, Gabe Sachs. Yes. How did Gabe get a monopoly on all the great looking
1: friends? You want <laughs> to explain that? <laughs> I'm very lucky. And they always want to shoot. So this is, this is how it happened. It's just started with shows. You know, I do a show and, and then someone at see the camera and say, Oh my gosh, I need headshots. Could you do my headshots? I'd be, of course. And it just sort of grew from there. That's really Aren't where it comes them from. Ugly. Aren't there any ugly people in your life? I mean, besides me. There, no, you're not. Um, And I love photographing you too. Uh, No, I I photograph all kinds of people. I really do. I really, I just love people. So I love people shots. So very excited about that. All right, there's your answer, man. Topic
0: six, Vivian Meyer. He says, still waiting on the book review of the new one. There is a new book. It came out in December. <laughs> Vivian Meyer developed the untold story of the photographer Nanny by Anne Marks. I, I will not be reading this book. Yes, I have enough will. Vivian Meyer content in my head. Thank you, Rolf. On we go. <laughs> a new correspondent, Claire fear. Hey, Welcome, you know what? Claire. We asked for the women to write. Another woman wrote in very exciting. She says last night, I literally dreamt of cameras, so it must be time to write in. (laughs) I was also provoked slash inspired to write in after Lisa's email in the last episode as I am a female listener, photographer-ish, and small-scale collector. Firstly, thank you for jumping so wholeheartedly into the podcast. I really enjoy it. Thanks, Claire. Secondly, my world is buildings and construction. I'm an architect and have been compelled to return to film photography after a 10-year break. No coincidence, my daughter and business are both 10. I returned to photography is I get access to such amazing, historic, ruined buildings. Right away, I want to tell you, go to Claire's Instagram. It is remarkable. She is Claire underscore Thread. That's Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E underscore Thread on Instagram. Look at her stuff. Basically, she talks about... Recording these places on film. She goes to a decaying building when it's under repair. And she says, I feel lucky to have unhindered access to record these moments. I began to shoot these digitally with a tilt shift lens. But after bringing a four by five camera to site one day and seeing the results, my focus switched to analog. I see cameras as wonderful machines and design objects speaking our language baby mm. I have more cameras than those around me think reasonable I use them all and love them all I've been reflecting on my collection and seem to have a dominant type difficult to handle fixed in their ways and fragile oh and one heavier than a brick she's actually describing me so here goes this is her collection get ready you're gonna uh, get so I jealous I wanna hear this you ready yep Plowbell Machina success. oh please the first one are you kidding me and guess what her second one is? Plowbell Mac w a W67. Claire, what are you doing to me? Mm, this is tough. Hasselblad SWC uh. with the 38 millimeter 4.5 biogon lens. She's got a Pentax 6 7, 6x7. A Leicaflex SL2 in black. Beautiful. The 50th anniversary edition with a little crest on it. <gasps> Rolaflex 2.8F. A Vista, W I S T A, 4x5 with all the brass bells and whistles. And she's also been playing with the Lomo Instax back for that camera. Lion. Not impressed with the Instax film, is Claire. She's got a broken Polaroid SX-70 and a mint Polaroid SLR-670, I think is what she's referring to. Very clever. She had an X-Pan, and she passed it on. It did not do it for her. Thank you for saying that, Claire. You're my good friend by saying X-Pans aren't so hot. She's been eBay stalking a Horseman SW612 with the 6x12 back.
1: Oh, my god! And she
0: asked if either of us have any experience with that. I do not, do no, you? No, I do not. Uh. It looks like a crazy camera, which might be my type and better frame proportions than the X PAN, but it does look a little odd. So there you go. My cameras and a white whale. I think the collection may grow, but I'm really enjoying those I have at the moment. In closing, she says, Now go get a plowbell uh, with <sighs> I, every I, best d- wish. I
1: dream Claire. of that camera. It's crazy. And I know it's we beautiful. all want it.
0: We all want it. Claire, thank you for writing. And as I said, gang, follow her. Her photographs are great. Alan Perez says, "Here is his question. I'd like to dip my toe into 120 film, but I don't want to invest a lot. Is the Holga a reasonable place to
1: start? What do you think? Okay, so sure. you know, it's yes, it's a reasonable place to start. but I think with some of these older folders, you'll you'll sort of enjoy the interesting sort of results. In a better way. Is that crazy? I mean, I just, there's something about, yes, there's a simplicity of the Holga and yes, you get some cool results, but I just think there's so many cameras out there that aren't crazy expensive that you can, you know, experiment with 120 and you'll get a much cooler picture.
0: I think the Holga is a particular type of art camera, yes. and Mike Gutterman raves about his, okay? You have to be into that Lomo plastic lens, light leaky, partially out of focus, vignette kind of idea, and Alan, if that appeals to you, go for it. Right. But I got to tell you, having purchased a Perkeo for $75, I don't know why you wouldn't go with something like that, or the Isolette, or a Kodak Retina if you can find it at a reasonable price, or... Any of these cheap folders, I mean, my God. Then you have a real glass lens. You have a compor shutter. You have like, ah, oh, I don't know. To me, shoot shoot for the moon. That's what I suggest. Yeah, I agree. The key is don't overspend, okay? Because 120, it's a commitment. It's fewer shots per roll. So don't overspend on your first camera. See if it you take to it. Holga could be your jam per K or something else. But I think that's, it's good to think about a starter camera. Totally. Next up. Is an email that I would love to read in its entirety, but it is too beautiful and too long. But it comes from our friend, Kieran Richardson, who is in, I believe, in Australia. Yes, he is in the Pilbara region of northwest of Western Australia. I would love to read this whole thing. This is just what I want to say to this listener. He goes into great detail about all the things he loves about our show and how it speaks to him. And I just want to say, Kieran, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you for your kind words. I don't believe in just reading praise on the podcast, but this was a really moving email, and it was just a, such a wonderful validation of so many of the priorities and that have gone into the making of this podcast. So thank you for that. I want to just read the last, the kind of closing paragraph of this, where he talks about some pitches for episodes. Okay, Karen, I am not underrating any of the beautiful prose or the unstinting praise that you laid upon us. It is much appreciated, okay? Here is what he suggested. I'm sure you guys have a mile-long list of topics to cover, but some things that come to mind I'd love to hear your thoughts on or topics I could see being fun. modernish incarnations of classics like the Leica MP slash MA, the Nikon SP-2000, and speculation on which future models may come or models slash parts you would like to see come back. Great idea. That's really good. Brand episodes on Yashica, Minolta, Canon, that's this episode, Agfa, Konica, Pentax, we already did that one, and other cameras in your collections. Count on it, man. Special edition cameras, those gold-plated crazy ones from the 80s, the lizard leather <laughs> skin ones, love them, disdain them. Great idea. Obscure cameras wouldn't necessarily have to be one you've shot before, just a bit of trivia. We're going to do this minority report episode one of these days, which yeah. is going to be... Great cameras that don't come from the big manufacturers. So count on that. Artist of the episode: pick a photographer or artist you'd like to plug each episode. You guys have already named quite a few, and it has been great to add these to my feed. We will keep doing that. Thank you, Kieran. Great idea. He wants another visit from Marie Nikondo.
1: Oh boy, I She's fear out there, Marie. Man. I fear her because you hid half your Roloflexes in Albuquerque. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't know what you're saying. Something's wrong with the microphone. I sort of can't hear you. She's coming back. <laughs> <laughs> Revisit Leica. How
0: about that? He says, I feel like there was more than you guys could get to in episode 17. Maybe Gabe was
1: hiding more Leica somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. But here's something interesting, Jeff. Is yes. With the Laikas, there are Laikas that are, you know, you just don't see them. Like the gold ones, they're really yeah. rare ones that, you know, I, I, there's something interesting about the, There's crazy ones. Like ones I just, yes. I see and... You know, Matthew Baton showed me uh, some of his like as I go, I have never even seen this color of a camera. So, yes, yeah. I think we should, yeah. we'll attack that. Maybe like a revisit. That's a good idea.
0: An exposure episode. Do you push slash pull film? Exposure compensation methods, favorite light meters, situations where you over and underexpose, long exposures, astrophotography, Slower fast film, daylight fill flash. You know, we did that episode a while back called How We Shoot, and maybe it is that we do a sequel and we yeah, talk sure. about how we shoot some more. A great idea. Gear episode, he's he wants a bag
1: show. He oh, wants a this bag is got, show. This has got to happen. This is like crazy.
0: Gabe, you're just going to have to take the lead because it keeps falling Let's out of my head. Let's do it
1: and we'll call aid and it'll be so much fun. Yeah we can maybe see if Kai Wong will join us absolutely
0: more great photography books tripods filters etc he just wants to hear more about gear self repair versus leaving it to the professionals (laughs) removing lens fungus haze sticky shutters Lightly's great idea he would love more guest stars anyone who is interested in film or anyone you think you might be able to turn it's always fascinating to hear from other people in film the one that got away the camera you missed out on sold or now missed or just always wanted and never got so good and he wants more fight us segments These are all great. Again, Kieran, and I cannot thank you enough. I would love to read this whole thing, but as I said, I do not believe in just repraising ourselves, but just know it is heard and honored. Kieran, you're a pal. Oh, Rolf Tessem wrote again because he has a baby Roloflex and he wanted to talk to us about this. He said, I'm just running a roll of Portra 160 through the baby Roloflex now. We'll have something to show shortly. He has a slitter... That slits it down to I yeah. guess 127 yeah. size? Yeah. I, I
1: guess you guys corresponded about this. Do you have a baby rolly? I do not. I had one at one time that it was in my, I think it was my dad's, but oh, wow. I don't know where I think I gave it to someone because I couldn't find film for it. This is a hundred years ago. Okay. But I'll tell you that the the I love the size of it. I, I actually Me too. corresponded with Rolf to see what the portraits would look like or what it what's what's the resolution or how does yeah. it compare to my 2.82 i this is fascinating because if it is good that is a camera i'd love to have because it's so small yeah i see I love them it. they're so
0: cute they're, so yeah, they're cute great cute with the gray covering and the oh yep. it's so adorable
1: yeah and the cases are great too our, just saying
0: well when we get around <laughs> to going and doing our actual rolly show maybe we will talk more about yes that ron hoffer of the Bronx to Berlin book, uh, wrote in to say, hey, Jeff and Gabe, good to see that the acquisition of uh, Perkeo has inspired discussions of the magic and frustrations of medium format folders. Let me add my experiences and a couple of examples. Mine began with picking up a Zeiss Iconta 521-16 6x6 folder in a Warsaw thrift shop. Wow. Wow. And it is so damn cool looking. It's got a 75mm 35 Tessar. He sent a picture. Very beautiful. And of course, it spurred lingering gas for a 6x9 folder, which he satiated with a $20 Kodak Tourist II in 620 with leaky bellows he patched up with gaffer's tape. He can now report a tentative gas satisfaction with the purchase last year of a Franken folder, an early 1950s Zeiss Ercona. E R C O N A, 6x9 body from Zeiss in East Germany, joined to a Novar 105 4.5 lens assembly from Zeiss in West Germany. Oh my God. My goodness. It's amazing. Anyway, he attaches some photographs. Ron, thanks for sharing this stuff. Once again, Ron is Ron Hoffer Fodor on Instagram. Check this guy out and check out his book. And then another correspondent from Ireland.
1: You know, the enthusiasm I got a there. Note. Is I got a
0: special note from Graham urging me really not to do accents. Um, so, but, and I'm not going to do it. This is from, <laughs> this is from Brian McDonald. <laughs> he says, I'm going to get in so much trouble with this. He says, Hi, Jeff and Gabe. By the way, the subject line, your second Irish person, there is an asterisk after Irish and it says, not British he says greetings from county cork i have binged your series in the last couple of weeks have thoroughly enjoyed it my camera collection is modest but during the last year i have gone down many a window shopping rabbit hole i have gone so far as creating a comprehensive wish list spreadsheet do you have a wish list spreadsheet gabe of course not no, that I don't either. That is so organized. I'm so impressed. He sees it as a responsible way of managing gear acquisition syndrome. Rather than fueling it, he has five categories. Medium format, compacts, range finders, fixed lens rangefinders, instant cameras, and 35mm SLRs. Within each category, there are oh columns goodness. for brand, model, format, film. Oh, my God. He reorders the list on an ongoing basis. Listen, I hear you, Brian. Working on the list is a way of of trying to exert control in a chaotic world. I totally get it. He says, I find this a comforting substitute to buying cameras. On other things covered by a Dream of Cameras, Gabe, yes. you might enjoy the book, The Great Life Photographers. It features a profile photo of each photographer with their camera. Do you know that book? I do know that book. I think I have yeah, that too. book. I love that book. That is a great book. Thank you for that tip, Brian. Jeff, I was delighted to hear your trivia about the iPhone shutter. This is a while back, but it is salient because we are going to talk about the Canon AE1 today. And, of course, we talked about how the sound of the camera on the iPhone is a Canon AE1. (laughs) So he appreciated that. He said the other camera I learned on was a Canon EOS 88. I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Interesting, But I guess he said he could use the body as a film back for the new EF lenses he has for his DSLR. Very interesting. He also said he's been shooting with a Pentax IQ Zoom 928 point-and-shoot that he got hmm. from his mom. He overpaid for an Olympus 35 SP on Etsy. He's been encouraging people to get their film cameras back in use. He's just about to test a neglected Bronica ETRS.
1: Oh, that's You've that's used cool. that,
0: right? Yes. Have you used the brawny? Yeah. Yes. And a less than exciting Pentax P30N. He purchased a gorgeous Polaroid Land 250 and is sitting on his last pack of 100C. Oh. (sighs) Hmm. He says he only tried depth of field preview once, but thanks to you, I have now tried it 10 times in a few days. I can confirm it's still useless. (laughs) (laughs) He says very very occasionally focusing seems easier with both eyes open. He always uses mirror lock up for tripod work. No he if doesn't. You're bothered, no he does. He says doesn't. he does. Boy. And he says, looking forward to future episodes, keep up the good work. We're going to hear from Brian once again in a minute. Martin McPherson. Martin McPherson. Oh, I don't no. know.
1: He, I don't. Here we go. <laughs> Keep those letters in coming.
0: Yes. Okay. (laughs) Speeding along, he says, I'm going to be that guy, say how excellent your podcast is. He says, I enjoy the X-A love, but you forgot the main problem with the Olympus X-A for the price. Right. It's by far the most expensive and hardest to find. Did you find that to be the case, Gabe? No, I got very
1: lucky. I got one. It was in a box. It was not crazy expensive. I was really lucky. And today, I shot with it. I me. actually shot with it today and I, you know how nervous I am. So, yes. so my XA4 came with, you know, distance in meters. So I had to put a little cheat sheet on the back and, <laughs> and like where, for I, you. where I step out, you know, like I step away, I was shooting my dear friend, Claire Hinkley today. And, and I was, you know, what, you know, how many feet away am I? I keep asking how many feet away am I? and I keep switching it <laughs> go back. And so we will see my results if I was a big fail or not, but I will, uh, See them in the next few days. I'm very excited about that camera because it's so light and so easy to use. And I just hope it works.
0: I was shooting with mine today. It, it's You're going to be surprised. You're going to get it back. And you're not going to have any out of focus shots. You were in daylight,
1: right? No, it's I don't know. Be fine. I'm telling you. this, is, And this is what I said to Claire. I said, you know, Jeff just takes his camera and shoots. He doesn't go yeah. through this whole ritual of how far am I. No, I really don't. No, I don't.
0: I don't. I just guess. Though it is tricky, that metric to English conversion, if you have a metric camera and I have a couple of them, that can be right. challenging. All right. He goes on to say it is the most expensive, hardest to find of the family. It's the only XA he has not owned. He wanted to ask how often do you use the macro capability? Do you have the cool strap that came with it? Gabe does. Yes. I do not. I do use the macro every once in a while. I mean, look, guys, it only focuses to like one foot. It isn't like this is like a microscopic camera. But every once in a while, if you want to get close to a subject, you can do it. It's nice. I did it. I tried it.
1: We'll see what happens.
0: Yes. As regards folders, he said... In my opinion, you have not talked enough about the Kodak retinas, solid cameras, every one of them, German quality and bellows that aren't as exposed that give these gems a long life. A friend giving me a retina 1A rekindled my love of film shooting. He said he loves it and he attached a few shots from his retina 1A concert shots that are so damn good. And then a picture of the camera. Martin, thank (laughs) you. Next. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Next up, this is another special one. This was like, listen, guys, since the last episode, so much praise rolling in. This meant a lot because we got an email from a fellow podcaster, yes. Kelly Lane. Guys, the Uncle Jonesy's Cameras podcast, which we have praised yes. on our own podcast. Kelly, one of the Shutter Brothers, wrote to us. So cool. Oh, my God. So I'm going to read this. There's a little bit of praise in here, so forgive me. But he says, Hi, Jeff and Gabe. Greetings to you guys from beautiful Northwest Georgia. That's where I grew up, Kelly. <laughs> this is Kelly Lane, whom you might know as one of the Shutter Brothers on Uncle Johnny's Cameras Podcast. Two weeks ago, I discovered your podcast and all I can say is, wow, I have finally found my people. You guys show the enthusiasm that comes with the joy of shooting with all these wonderful cameras. I am a proud camera collector. Kelly's a Minolta guy, by the way, so we have to do right by Kelly and cover the Minoltas. He says, something that is occasionally frowned upon on my own podcast, but you guys make it cool to seek out cameras and shoot with them. Over the last two weeks, I have been steadily making my way through all your episodes and have learned so much. I'm definitely a fan. Thanks, man. He says, after listening to all your episodes, I'd like to offer a few notes on some of the subject material you've covered. Get ready, Gabe. I'm ready. Concerning your Nikon show, I'm sure you've already heard from folks touting the virtues of the F 3 HP wow this was my dream camera to own back when I purchased one new in the mid 80s it's still my favorite SLR to shoot best viewfinder of any SLR I've ever seen quiet solid operation extremely accurate meter he says one of the best SLRs ever made of course the Nikon glass is superb
1: I definitely recommend trying it out Gabe F3 do you have that one I do not have that but I love hearing about all these cameras it's like every week we learn something it's so I cool. want to
0: check that one out, that HP, that's the high point viewfinder, which apparently is really good if you have glasses like me, so thanks for that tip, Killer. He goes on to say, I was glad to hear, Jeff, that you purchased a Canon P rangefinder camera. We'll talk about that a little more in the broadcast. I got one several years ago because I wanted a Leica rangefinder and knew I could never afford one. The 51.4 is every bit as good as the Leica glass. I agree. Plus, hearing you talk about the 35 millimeter Serenar lens motivated me to seek one out. It arrived yesterday, and I've been shooting a test roll. cannot wait to see the results God, Kelly, I'm so glad we inspired you that way. One final note concerns 120 folders. Several years ago, a friend gave me a 120 folder made by a company I've never heard of. The name is Zenobia. What? After the Princess Zenobia. Oh, well, I knew that, of course. And they're a Japanese maker. Listen, look up (laughs) Princess Zenobia, guys. She's an incredible story. The camera is obviously inspired by the Zeiss Icon 120 folders. The glass in this thing is unbelievably sharp. Its small size makes it perfect for shooting 120 when you don't really want to be noticed. I'm not seeing any of these anywhere else but they're definitely worth checking out there's a beautiful folder Kelly and Zenobia in this lovely script on the top thanks for alerting us to that Kelly Lane guys check out Uncle Jonesy's and Kelly I can't tell you what it means to us that you wrote in thanks yes, Appreciate
1: it. we are big fans too
0: Follow-up from Rolf Tessim. Since the Ricoh GR1 was mentioned recently, here is mine. Sadly, the LCD has become progressively invisible, making Ooh. the camera less than a joy to use. Rolf, are you trying to kill me? I mean, just hearing that. He says, <laughs> he says though, it is the smallest 35-millimeter point-and-shoot I've ever used. Only APS cameras, and of course, Minox cameras are smaller. And he says, and when I got to the post office this morning, what awaited was a set of Bay One Rolinar's for my recently acquired baby Roloflex. It can now do head and shoulder portraits quite nicely, and he sends a picture.
1: That's awesome. Have you used the Ricoh GR series? I forget if we've talked about this. No. Remember, I was dreaming of the Ricoh GR 21. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well,
0: he sent a picture of it. It's cute as heck. Uh, but when you tell me the LCD is fading, it's, uh, my skin crawls. <laughs> Next up, two more to go. We're almost out of the letters section. Brian McDonald says, addendum Ray depth of field preview item. Hmm. I found myself taking a shot yesterday morning where there were several planes within the scene, namely foreground, middle, and background with some distance between each. Get ready, Gabe. I was focusing on the foreground, and naturally the background was blurred in the viewfinder. But I was at F11, and I wondered, would the depth of field stretch as far as the background content, which was an important part of the image? Thanks to your inadvertent indoctrination into the cult of depth of field preview, I thought of it and pressed it, much to my surprise. Despite the viewfinder going a little dark, the depth of field preview confirmed that the background would be in focus. I have yet to finish the role, but I must stand corrected. (laughs) It can be useful. Okay, if that's what you want to write in
1: your diary, that's fine with me.
0: He goes on to say, The Pentax P30N might not be a looker, but I'm actually enjoying it. I pimped it with a lens hood and strap from my ME Super. It looks pretty cool. The shutter sound pretty clunky. Perhaps the 35mm version of the Pentax 6.7 shutter slap. Brian McDonnell <laughs> validating depth of field preview from Ireland. Fantastic. And finally, Roberto Martinez. Now, do you remember him? He sent us a picture of his perfect camera collection. Yes. Perfect. He had a Trip 35, a 35RC. 35 well, guess what? He wrote in and he said, New Year's resolution failure. I emailed earlier on the 31st of December with the foolish goal of not buying a camera at all this year. As an avid listener of this pod, I don't know why I thought that would even be possible. <laughs> I am now the owner of a Leica CL. Oh, boy. Which has been amazing. Thank you for the correspondence and advice from both of you on Instagram. I'm at Across the Roll on Instagram. This camera is small, quick, reliable, and hasn't left my side. The only downside is the lack of self-timer, which I do use often for pictures of myself and my partner. I like self timers so much I bought a mechanical one oh for the my CL. Goodness. Unbelievable. Ah. He says he hasn't managed to get it working yet. He looks forward, though, to many rolls through this lovely rangefinder and he sent a picture of his new CL with a beautiful half case. People bought stuff because we told them to. I love that. And that closes... The Mailbag!
1: Oh, yes. That was a big mailbag. Big
0: mailbag. Lots of stuff. Guys, we love hearing from you. If we shorthanded your email, don't be offended. It's because we like to do this at speed. Email us, gang, idreamofcameras at gmail.com. We love this conversation. We love hearing from you. Thank you for all the kind words, and thanks for the great ideas. On we go. Yes. Next topic. Gabe, you
1: alluded to the fact that today it was a five-camera, all-film shooting day. <laughs> ah, it was all film. It took every muscle not to even put the digital in my car.
0: What? This was just to shoot Claire Hinckley?
1: Yeah. Claire, I've shot for years and years, and, Okay, and, and she was... Uh, she had a day available, so we went down to the arts district in now, downtown Los you, Angeles.
0: You sent me the following list: yes, Rolleflex, yes, Nikon FM3A, yes, Olympus XA4, yes, Nikon L35AF, yes, and Leica M6. Oh yes.
1: Talk me through your shoot, would you? Okay. <laughs> so let me let me talk about the uh, the Roloflex 2.82. I always bring, and there's I just love shooting that. Shot some tri-x on that now the nikon fm3a i've only used i've really only used that lens the 51.4 yeah and i have that 85 you know the classic old 85 millimeter heavy 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 lens and i used that for the first time on that camera so that i used today it went well i think think so we'll we'll see in the next few days the nikon L35, I've never used, other than, you know, at your house. Yeah, you brought it to the brunch the same role the so, so, I just Very sort cool of... Very cool looking. I love it. People love it. So, let's see how that does. And the XA4, I've only had bad luck with once. <laughs> For some reason, every one of your pictures is sharp, and mine are not. So, I am figuring this one out, and I, and hopefully it works, and I don't have to worry about it. And then, the M6, you know, I have not used the M6 in so long... Right, because you fell
0: in love with your Nikon,
1: yeah, right? Right, and the Pentax 67, I can go on and right. on. And so I finally used it after a long break, and I realized how much I loved it again. So I'm excited to see how that goes, and uh, that was my day.
0: When you bring along five cameras. Yes. Do you lean harder on a couple? Do you know you're gonna lean harder on a couple, or do you try and cycle
1: through all five of them? I'm just curious because I never do this. I so I I have first of all, I have two bags, of course. (laughs) And I do, you know, when there's a wardrobe change, then I go get the other bag. And so there's cameras, two cameras or a few cameras in each one. And then I think I lean heavily towards the RoloFlex and the Leica because I and also obviously the, the Nikon, I know what I can get out of those cameras the Nike, the other one the uh, L35 and the XA4 I have no idea what to expect I don't even I barely know how to shoot them so I'm going to see what happens with that and you know go from there and I'm trying different film stocks too I'm trying you know I tried color I tried Superior I tried you know all kinds of stuff that I had in my bag of tricks and so we'll see how that works do you ever hesitate over shooting expired film? Yes. I hesitate, when? but then I shoot it. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I here's, here's when I... Ne- let me tell you when I never hesitate. I never hesitate shooting expired film on the Yashica T4. I feel like I know what shot I'm going to get out of the camera, especially with a flash. Like, I'm excited about the color. Sometimes it's fine. You know, I have this old Fuji 160S... And I, you know, pop that in and, and I love the results of that. Unfortunately, one of my T4s has a very common problem where it rewinds at uh, frame 14 and goes right back to the beginning.
0: Uh-huh. And there's a
1: million uh, fixes for this, but I'm so angry at it. I put it in the back of the shelf. It's not allowed to look even at other cameras. I've turned it facing the wall. You know, just saying. Yeah. Punish it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: It'll learn. I hesitate with expired film sometime, probably because I am not as experienced with it as you are. I shot a roll of expired Kodak Max 400 through my Alpa, and the color shifts in some cases were not so... Pretty. <laughs> right, right. And I just have to prep myself for that, I guess. I, you know, I can, I actually think that what you just described is a good idea, that put it in a, a machine like the T4, where the totally. blown out quality yep. is going to kind of accent the quirks of the film absolutely as opposed to like a delicate instrument i know you shoot expired film and you're like m6 too but like maybe that's the thing to do is to pair it with a camera that's going to give you a crunchy result
1: and i have so much expired like old 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 film that i'm excited to shoot with just to see what happens so that'll be uh coming up
0: do you compensate a stop or two do you do the 10-year rule no just shoot at box speed won't do it good
1: I mean, I've I've heard, you know, up and down. I'm like going, oh, I'm just going to shoot it, see what happens. I'm sure if I shoot, look, if I have rolls from the 60s and 70s, probably. But, you know, everything else, I'm just shooting at box speed, and I've been very lucky. On the subject of film,
0: one more topic before we get on to the Canon show. I noticed you posted a picture on Instagram. Of four bulk load, four bulk loaders, right?
1: Four, right? That you found in your garage or something? Yes.
0: Uh, what's the well, problem? What's going on there,
1: man? So I I remember <laughs> that I loaded some film for about a year, and I always did Tri-X and HP5. I've never done color or anything like that, and I enjoyed it. I used to just shoot that film, and I really never had any problems with it. But I remember that I bought two and then I found two at a garage sale and then that fourth one is brand new that I found at a garage sale for like two dollars and so I had to get it so that's where my collection of film loaders comes from so do some of them have film in them or not there was no film and I was interested to see if there was any film but I really um there's nothing in there but I want to get into that because I just feel like I'm so conscious of the rising film costs, you know, it's really yeah. true. And if you, you sort of, you think about it, well, first of all, I can't understand this. So HP5 stays at sort of what, around $89, something like that. Is and that get, true for a hundred foot roll? I think it's something like that. Okay. And then Tri-X, it's oh, like 149 man. Yeah. I don't get it.
0: I I don't get it either. Yeah. I mean, it's such a premium. Yeah. I have, I think in my bulk loading, I've only bulk loaded Ilford Films. Wow. First, a lot of H, well, actually, you know what? That's not right. I did, first I did HP5. Right. Because it was a cheap alternative to Tri-X. Then I did Eastman XX. Right. That I got from the Film Photography Project, I think. Or, you know, I got it from Ultrafine Online. Oh, That's wow. That's what I did. Okay. I got Double X from Ultrafine, and that was 99 bucks right. for a 100-foot roll. And now I'm using Ilford Pan F50. Again, 99 bucks. Wow. And you're going to get 18 rolls out of it, ish. Yeah. Right. So that's five bucks. Five bucks a roll. Yeah. No, I, that's bad. my magic number.
1: I love it. Here are two little asterisks. <laughs> since we're on the subject of bulk, oh, loading. I was just going to ask you about these asterisks.
0: Well, one of them, okay. I have this Alden bulk loader that I love because it's right. baked light and cool looking. Right. It has a crank, and when it goes around, it's supposed to click every frame. It's not clicking anymore.
1: It's click list is what you're saying.
0: I mean, I know that each go around is another. No, I need the click. I know I need the click, but so I don't know what to do about that. Here's the other thing, guys. Okay. This may be erupting into a fight me. Longtime listeners to this news magazine (laughs) may have heard that I started out reusing old film canisters. Yes. I would, because the lab box has a little slicer in it, there would always be a little stub of film sticking out of the canister. And so I would tape the new film to that using like packing tape and then roll it in a little ways and do that. Had flawless results. But no! That was not good enough for me.
1: You're very angry I needed to go
0: get a custom solution. (laughs) So I ordered, I did all this research. Right. And it said, you know what you want is the Kodak SnapCap, which is a metal canister that was sold by Kodak in the 70s, which is exactly like the metal canisters we love, except you can pop the end off and put it back on, pop the end off, put it back on. Well, I did that. And after two or three cycles, they developed light leaks. Oh. I thought it was Aww. a processing error, but it was a light leak. So back to the drawing board. I do all this other homework. It says, "Get the cult with a K plastic right. reloadable do they screw cassettes. on, I think. Do they screw on? I don't remember. Yeah. Know they screw on. Right. Perfect idea, right? Here's the problem. Oh no. The felt light trap in these cult cassettes is terrible. Ugh. It flakes off and decays, and you know what happens, man? Light leaks again. Yeah. Having done A lot of research on Photo.net and Flickr and all of these boards. No one is happy with the options available for commercially sold bulk loading cassettes. And do you know what they tell you to do instead? No. Go to your one-hour lab (laughs) and ask them for their used cassettes cassettes now i didn't want want to do that because i'm afraid of people and i definitely am afraid of asking people for stuff for free right so i called valley photo service and i said hey guys weird request do you have any extra 35 millimeter film canisters sitting around where the stub of the film is sticking out right and they said oh yeah we got dozens of them come pick as many as you need
1: oh wow went over there they gave
0: me I'm gonna present it, I'm gonna do a visual. This is very
1: exciting. He's about to make a presentation, ladies and gentlemen. Look at this. Oh, that's so great.
0: Huge bag of them. Whoops! Huge bag of them, of all sorts. And look, each one has the little stub sticking out. Some of them are DX coded, who cares? How many cameras do I have that read DX coding? If I really want it to match, I could match HP5 because it's 400 to Tri-X, something, but who cares? This is the only satisfactory solution, guys. If you have a better one, if you so know you of a, so you never have to pop
1: the things. That's what you're saying. You never have to pop the thing. See, that's that's, that's, that's the that's, other thing. That's a you never thingy. do. Yeah.
0: You simply tape it on and then spin it in and reuse it a few times, and then after the tape gets so thick that you can't get it to go in yeah. the canister, throw it away and get a new one. You know what's I interesting? Yeah. You know what's interesting? What's interesting?
1: Uh, I thought of this, and I actually made some calls, but not one photo mat returned my calls. Not one (laughs) photo mat. Really? It was... (laughs) Did they answer the phone? It was weird, because I went to that little shack. (laughs) Not only was no one there, I couldn't find one piece of film in there. It was now a pot dispensary. It was now... (laughs) It was a (laughs) pot dispensary. It was a bagel on the go place. (laughs) You know, here's your mushrooms to go. Yeah. (sighs) <sighs>
0: no photo bed let's hear from you guys i know we got bulk loaders out there we are both Please gabe and i now are now. big partisans for bulk loading do you have a better solution than going to your one hour lab and begging throwing yourself on their mercy look at this one double film i've never that, heard of that. anyway yeah okay so that brings us to are you ready gabe i'm ready man here we go This is going to be an XL one, guys. looks like an XL because we are about to take on a big, big topic. I believe I may have mentioned during our Olympus Has Fallen episode that I had owned more Olympi than any other camera. (laughs) I was wrong! Oh, my goodness. I have owned more (laughs) Canons than any other camera. that's fascinating. Yeah. And even though I don't own so many now, I made a list, and man, it is quite a list. So... I want to try and... I want to start with the SLRs. We're yeah. going to circle back and do the range finders and then the compact cameras. Right. But I want to start with the SLRs and we'll kind of go in a rough chronological order. And I want you to chime in when we hit the yes, EOS, which I, I believe will. was your first deal. That yeah, was my okay? first, yeah. So Canon. Okay. My first SLR was a Canon EF. I have talked about it a little bit on this show. The EF was... A sibling, really, of the Canon F1. It was an attempt on Canon's part. It looks a lot like an F1. It only came in black. Right. It was an attempt to do an automatic version of the F1. It was not very popular in its time. It was heavy and unwieldy, and professional photographers kind of still turned up their noses at the prospect of an automatic camera, and it it used two batteries instead of one. It was considered to be a bit of a battery hog, but... The EF is amazing in a number of ways, and I'm gonna tell you how. First of all, it's got a silicon photocell meter. I have found that this meter has retained its accuracy after all these years. Better than a lot of cadmium sulfide meters. And the thing about this meter is, it meters down to 30 seconds on the dial. It is not until you got to cameras with digital readouts on the little LCD screen that decays, right. Right. that you would find another camera where you could dial all the way down to 30 seconds. And I love taking pictures of light trails on highways or fireworks or whatever. I loved having metered shutter speeds down to 30. It has a little red LED on the top that flashes during the exposure. Oh, wow. It also has the exposure dial that protrudes over the top plate so you can work it with your index finger and it's got shutter speed and aperture in the viewfinder, which not even the F one has by the way, it was the only Canon SLR of its day that had that. And I was a real stickler for that. My Olympus 35 RC has shutter speed and aperture in the viewfinder. So does the F I like knowing that I like not having to take the camera away from my eye. So, it is a really special camera. And I think people, it was a trash table camera for a long time, but I think now people have reawakened to the fact the EFs are pretty hardy. They're really well-built. They look super sexy. Yeah. And they're great. And it's shutter priority automatic, which for a while was my favorite way to go. Yes. So that was my first camera. Then... <laughs> <laughs> I got some lenses. I started getting FD lenses, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But I then began to buy all the other brothers. I never bought an F1, but I bought an FTB. I had a few of them. And the FTB, I just want to do a sidebar and I'm going to bounce it over to Gabe for a second. The FTB, why this camera is not spoken of in the same breath as the K1000 or the Minolta SRT is beyond me. The FTB is an amazing camera. And... It is a terrific match needle, like easy to use, feels great in the hand, access to this incredible, you know, FD lens system, which is so great. It's got this wonderful kind of multifunction, uh, self timer lever that when you push it to the left, it's depth of field preview. When you pull it to the right, it's a self timer. (laughs) It also does mirror lockup. It's this multifunction lever that does all this cool stuff. And, the later version of the FTB has the QL quick loading system, where you just lay the film tab right. across right. the takeup spool, close it, wine, 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 and you are in business. So it's a very easy to load camera, amazing camera. There's also the little brother of the FTB, the TLB, which is basically it, it only go. I believe it only goes up to a five hundredth of a second, and right. TLBs are great. And these things are super cheap. Don't pay two hundred fifty dollars for a K one thousand. Seek out the FTB and the TLB. How much okay. are the FTBs? That's so interesting. i, I don't. You I've never used You can find the FTB. I mean, the last one that I bought, right. I got a black body FTB. I bought it at Studio City Camera right, right. before they oh, closed. Favorite. It was $150. I think that I'm not going to go on eBay and verify this, right. but I believe that they go for much less than right. the equivalent manual cameras that everyone wants, like the Canon AE-1, which we'll talk about in a minute, or the K1000, even the ME Super, those have started to go up because we're talking about them.. Yep. So take a look at that. OK, I want to throw it to you.
1: Your first SLR was the Canon EOS. Which one? The original one? The original the first Eos. one: The first EOS. And I loved it, which brings me to another another interesting thing. First of all, I loved it because it was, it was light, it was easy to use, and I could just pick it up and shoot. Which was my it requirement was, when I got it.
0: And I, that is a camera, correct me if I'm wrong, that could be shutter priority, yeah. aperture priority, program yeah. mode, yep. manual, the whole deal. Yep. How did you select that one? Did you pick it or did your parents pick it for you?
1: No, I think I picked it. I think I bought it at, uh, again, a camera show. I Interesting. think I got it at camera show and I got a bunch of lenses with it. And, you know, that's when those EOS lenses and the L lenses and the professional lenses and all this stuff was happening and they were a different color. And it was like, oh my gosh, if I could only get those fancy lenses and, and on and on. But I really love that camera. And which brings me to this point that I'm wondering if I got that camera today or somewhere in the EOS, you know, film family, if I got that camera with my pro lenses that I have now, what it would be like. Like I, I just, yeah, be be, I you gotta remember I jumped from that to the M6 and then, right. you know, traded all of that. But now I'm thinking, you know, even on a, you know, way modern digital, like the five, well, there's so many more, but the 5D yes. was 20 something years ago. But I got, I had these pro lenses and I'm just always wondering like, what would it be like with one of those cameras? I just I bet think it, it would be, be great. so great. Because that glass is so good. Yeah. Right? And. It's these so are cameras good. that, when
0: they never talk about these as good starter no, cameras never. for students, but they're terrific. What's wrong with that? Never. And EOS, they're great. Yep. You know? I had an EOS, by the way. Now, this is not a good story. <laughs> I got, after I was shopping around and I thought, you know what? This was in the early days when I was starting to acquire a second and a third SLR, right? right? And so I got an EOS A2E. Oh my gosh.
1: It was, I totally remember, remember
0: the A2E. The A2E was legendary because the technology that incorporated it was a breakthrough technology where it had eye controlled autofocus. Do you remember this? I
1: totally remembered it. Yep.
0: Where if now you could only use it when holding the camera in landscape mode, it would not work if you switched to portrait (laughs) mode. But in landscape mode, it would track your pupil and use that to determine what part of the frame you wanted to focus on. And it was like when it worked, it was like magic. And so. I shot with this a lot and I enjoyed it. As autofocus cameras go, it was very enjoyable. It had one little problem though. What? EOS A2Es were legendary for this command dial problem. What would happen is, the command dial had this plastic linkage, and after a certain amount of time, this little stub on the command dial that you used to set it would break, and the command dial would just spin and spin and spin and not set anything. And I believe I mentioned in our Olympus episode that I went on this cross-country bus trip for like three weeks with my family, where we rented a rock and roll tour bus and traveled (laughs) all over the place. And I brought the A2E, also known as the EOS 5 in the UK. I brought the A2E and I brought my Olympus uh 35 RD as a backup just in case, like a, you know, range automatic rangefinder camera. My command dial broke on the first day of the trip. You're and kidding. so I had this paperweight for the whole I was so enraged at this thing and I ended up getting it repaired when I got back. And the photos that I got with the Olympus RD were quite good by the way, but I had so much anger at this thing that I had it replaced. They, you could actually have a factory upgrade to a metal, you know, stub in the command dial, so it wouldn't break again. But I just started to hate it, and by extension, I started to hate autofocus cameras. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to downshift. What I'm going to do is I'm going to get the top of the line, FD mount,
1: oh, interesting,
0: camera. right? And that is when I bought the Canon T90. Do you know the T-90? Yep, I do know the T-90. I never had one. What did you think of it? I loved it. Wow. I absolutely loved it. Now, it is a plastic-bodied thing. It's huge and chunky. The nickname for it was the tank, but it had all of the wonderful features of the EO series, but not autofocus. Right. It's an incredibly versatile FD mount camera Shutter priority, aperture priority, program mode, manual mode. It's great. It has one little problem though. No, another one? They unpredictably seize up. And at a certain point, every T90 will do this. The shutter will seize up. And instead of showing the shutter speed on the LEDs in the viewfinder, it will show E, E, E. Like the camera is screaming at you. And the only way to fix it, they actually, there are websites that say what you need to do at that point is bang the camera on a hard surface and it will loosen the
1: magnets and it will start to work again. But same thing with the one in.
0: Oh, is that right? Exactly. Same 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 thing.
1: thing. Exactly. Except he gave you, it said BC error. And no matter where, this happened all the time. I bought two of them. And they each failed and they each failed. And then I took it apart and did that thing. And I felt like such a hero because it worked again. It was like, D-d-d-d-d-d-d. it worked great for an hour.
0: <laughs> it was a this good hour. This is the problem with these later model cameras that Canon made. People talk about the Canon squeal, by the way, that is the legendary sound the Canon shutters make. They all make this kind of witchy when yeah. you shoot with them, yep. uh, the EO series and the T series. Now, there's lots of other cameras in the T series we're not going to talk about. The T70. A lot of people love that as a starter camera. I've never used them. The T90 was great, but I started to develop this anxiety every time I went out with it. Oh, when worst. is the EEE going to hit
1: me? Yeah, totally. And if you and you can't be free. So discouraging.
0: Yeah, You can't be free. And so I thought, you know what? I am going to sell it before it breaks, <laughs> and I'm going to start leaning on the FTB And the EF. And those are the cameras I shot with the most. Wow. I went back to the camera that I learned on. There was one other camera I got in the midst of this that I want to mention because it's an interesting curiosity. Do you know the Canon Pelix?
1: Do you know this camera? No, not at all. Pelix.
0: Okay. Imagine this, okay? Every SLR in the contemporary SLRs starting in the 1970s have this slanted instant return mirror. Right? right. So when you take the picture, it pops the mirror up, the aperture stops down, the sh- focal plane shutter opens, it takes the picture, and then everything pops back into place. Right. Well, there's a lot of mechanics and a lot of noise in that. So can somebody at Canon had a brainwave. What if we used a semi-silvered mirror that's stationary, that does not flip up? Oh, wow. So 20% of the... Reflected light goes into the viewfinder. Right. And ideally, 80% goes through the mirror to your film surface. So you lose about a stop of light. Right. So most Pelixes were sold with a 1.2 lens so that you wouldn't notice. Wow. And the idea was you're eliminating that mirror flap. It also made, interestingly enough, for a slightly more compact camera, it's actually smaller than the FTB. It's not quite as small as like a Pentax ME or an OM-1, but it is noticeably smaller than an F1, an EF, or an FTB. I got a Canon Pelix. There was a special lens they made for the Pelix, which was a 38 millimeter, and it says printed on the lens, for Pellix only. Because wow. the back of this lens protrudes into the mirror box. And if the mirror flapped, it would hit the back of this lens. So you can't use this lens on any other Canon camera. But you know how I love 40s. right? So I used to shoot with the Pellex and the 38. And I loved it. And I took some great portraits. And here's the thing about the Pellex I would not recommend buying this camera today. Because most of these mirrors, somebody has put a big fat thumbprint in the middle of them. And it's very, very hard to replace a Pellix mirror. They don't make that mirror material anymore. If you find one with a really clean mirror, the Pellix is a great camera. But here's the irony. Is it quieter than Hmm. a regular? It's not really, because it still has to open a focal plane shutter, and it still needs to stop down the lens. Right. And of course, you're sacrificing a stop of light. So this camera never became popular. But... I still have a sentimental place in my heart. And interestingly, just to round this out, Canon actually made an EOS camera with a pellicle mirror that was designed for like astrophotography and other sorts of applications where you want to minimize camera shake. Exact same technology. I believe it was called the EOS RT. And it had the same thing, a stationary mirror that doesn't move. This is like a lost avenue of SLR technology. I don't think there was any other camera maker that got interested in that. Kinda fun. Wow, and interesting. I wonder why. Road.
1: That's so interesting. Who thought yeah. of that? Did you use any other Canon SLRs besides I did the... the Canon EOS three? Yeah. Was one that I used, similar to the EOS, and I love that. Yeah. And, but the one ends the one end situation was recent. It was in the last few years. Oh no. Kidding. And that's where all the fails came in. And then right. I got an EOS, th- th- uh, another EOS 3. Oh, so you had a few EOS bodies. Yes. And you emptied
0: these all out to get the M6? You basically shoved them all to the this, center of the table? This
1: was the EOS, yes. I, I I took everyone. but you have to remember, the value of them were so much higher then. It wasn't like For sure. $85. Yeah. So I took all of it, and, and the guy said he would trade me all of the camera and all the lenses for the body of an M6. Yeah. Wow. So you emptied it
0: all out. So you're saying you still
1: have a couple of these lenses lying around or are you completely I, he, out of the you know, camera no, 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 no. Because when I got the 5D years and oh, years ago, right, of course, yeah. I have, you know, a bunch of those lenses. So Yeah, I, I believe I you could mount those on a EOS film so, camera. I would love that. Yeah. That's I have to get idea. back into that. Yep. Before we depart the
0: SLR part of this narrative, of yes. course, I just got an AE-1. And the AE-1 was the camera that I had coveted when I ended up getting the EF as a gift for my 15th birthday. Instead, AE-1s were much, much more expensive. I just bought one a few weeks ago. It's lovely. AE-1s are lovely. But let's There's talk course, about this for a yes. little
1: so sec- Let's step this out a bit, my friend. Yes, go right ahead. You were a little... Um... You were a little down on the AE-1 in some episodes. That's all I'm saying is like, you were like, oh, don't buy the AE-1. It's a bazillion dollars. Don't buy the, you know, that was along with the K1000. So I'm very interested in what motivated you to to do this. Not that I wasn't with you when you bought it and watched you hold it. (laughs) And was in shock that you were so excited about it. But please tell me. Uh, Here's the thing.
0: I I think part of me instinctively recoils from cameras that sort of become voguey. Yes. And I think, you know, it became sort of a stock thing to say to the aspiring photography student who wants a 35 millimeter SLR, go get a K1000 or an AE-1. There right. is nothing wrong with the Canon AE-1 or the Pentax okay. K1000. Okay, I, I just better. think they're a little overhyped. That's it. I think they're a little overhyped. The AE-1 is fine, okay? I don't think it's as pretty. As the EF, to be honest, it's got a weird little grippy thing on it that I don't find so attractive. It does have the shutter speed dial that protrudes over the front, which is nice. It, you know, the feel of its it's got a light touch shutter release, which is fine. It's fine. I like it. I'm glad I finally got one. It's weird that I took all this time to finally arrive at buying the most popular Canon camera of all time. <laughs> the a one is their most popular camera they ever made. They sold millions of these things. So I think I just had the faint contempt like that happens when your favorite band suddenly becomes way too popular and you have to stop liking them. <laughs> I also want to mention before we depart the SLR section that these FD lenses, I don't have as many as I used to. I used to have about half a dozen. What's your favorite? I have only hung on, my favorite of all of them is the 85 millimeter F1.2 L, which is one of those red stripe lenses yeah. that are so coveted. 85 1.2, guys. Oh, my God. It is a these. huge chunk of glass about the size of a softball. It is just big and unwieldy, and it's almost as heavy as the camera. But oh, it is delicious. I oh, mean. i to try that. Yeah. I, I mean, you should absolutely try it. They're, they are expensive. They go for about $1,000 on eBay. What? And yeah. It's a very expensive and highly desirable lens. But I love it. But I want to say this also. The stock 51.4 is great. It's great. It's like the Nikon 51.4. They spent a lot of time making sure that the base lens that every new Canon user would have would be a good lens. So you'd get hooked and want to buy more of them. I also think I have a medium wide. I think I have a 35, which is nice. It's perfectly nice. I used to like how I used to have a zoom. I used to have a telephoto. I used to have a a wider, wide angle and stuff. I've offloaded a lot of them because I just don't have as many Canons as I used to but that. The other thing, I am wearing a t-shirt with the Canon Flex on it.
1: He'll have to post that. I've never owned a Canon Flex, but they
0: fascinate me, particularly Why? the ones that have the trigger wind on the bottom. Oh, yeah, that's the coolest thing, seriously. They are cool. And I that's that. the camera that Charles Eames used to shoot with. By the really? way, with Charles and Ray, yeah, that was his camera. He oh, had a wow. Canon Flex just like this one with the black uh, viewfinder. Nice. Now we move on to the range finders. Oh and I'm just going to shorthand this because I've talked a lot about the Canon P on this podcast. I have been shooting with it again over the last couple
1: of weeks. I cannot stress enough how much fun this camera it's is. It's a cool camera and it looks amazing. I really didn't know much about that camera, but it, it's really cool. Uh, you shot a couple of pictures with it and yeah, it was didn't really you fun. love the yep. feel of it. Great feel. Silken
0: film advance, crisp <laughs> kiss of a shutter release. Yes. It's good looking. It is really lovely. And I want to just shout out, there is a book by Peter Kitchingman, who Hmm. recently appeared on the Camerosity podcast. Uh, I believe he's from Australia, and he sells this book direct. So don't go on bookfinder.com or Amazon looking for this thing. This is a beautiful coffee table book that encompasses all of the Canon rangefinders. It is lovely. If you are interested in these, it is well worth having and not that expensive. That's great. The final phase of our discussion <laughs> brings us to the compacts. Yeah. The one that people always talk about is the Canon G3 QL17.
1: Yes. Have you used that camera? I have two of them. Really,
0: Gabe? Yes. I've never seen you with it. Do you because shoot Because I've never with used it? them. You've
1: never used either one of never, them? Never, ever, ever tried them. That <laughs> 1.7 lens has never, never seduced it. you? Nope. I, there's no reason. It's just that I, I, (laughs) now that we've done the show, now I'm going to have to go shoot with it next time, but I've never shot with it. I just don't know. I haven't seen results from it. I have to look it up. I really do. I mean, I love the camera, but again, I got it. I'm sure I got both of them in Albuquerque at a vintage store for $5. Here's what I'll say.
0: I had one. I don't have it anymore. It is a very, very popular 35-millimeter rangefinder. It features in movies. The John Waters film, Pecker, which is about an aspiring photojournalist. Right. His camera is a G3QL17. The film Chronicle, I believe the main character, she shoots with a G3QL17. It is very nice looking. It's a little larger than some of the other rangefinders that I favor. Like it's larger than the 35RC. It's about the size of a Leitzman Ulta CL, as a matter of fact. Mm-hmm beautiful 1.7 lens really great here is the only thing that holds me back and the reason that i sold mine it feels a little tinny to me and you're going to hear me say tinny a lot more as we get into some of these other wait wait that's why you sold it
1: yeah well wait how were the pictures with it The pictures were fine wait a minute wait a minute the pictures were fine were they spectacular or were they just they were fine
0: i liked Mm -hmm. them I like it's them. Fine. It's a very good lens. Hey, a fast 1.7 lens. But to me, part of the experience of using a camera is the pleasure of shooting with the machine. And there was just <laughs> a slightly tinny, cheapy feeling hmm. to the camera. Interesting. The advance and the shutter release, it just felt a little cheap. And I just hmm. did not enjoy shooting with it as much. Hmm. And so I eventually let it go because somewhere out there, was a shooter
1: who was dying for one. Yeah. Now I'm going to have to shoot with these tinny cameras. See what
0: you think. I will. Uh, guys, fight me on this. I could be wrong. Yep. Maybe my particular one felt tinny. Right. I'm going to speed through a few more, and then I'm going to get to the end of this, okay? My other Canon was, I have talked about this on the show, I have the Canon SureShot Multitelly which of course is a plastic bodied ugly extruded looking camera from i believe the 90s but it has a secret trick it can either
1: be half frame or full frame this is crazy this is just crazy beans and the other thing is you're not mentioning is how popular this is right now it's become very popular yeah it's like the hottest thing right now that camera
0: Animal Mystery talked about it. I went and bought one. I got mine for about $35 or $40. Good luck finding it for $35 or $40 no now. It's become a bit of a cult object. It's the only autofocus camera I own. I love shooting with it, particularly loading it up with half frame and taking it to a party. Right. It's the best. You'll yeah. never run out of film. I know. And it gives you a little bit of that Yashica T4 kind of look. And it's cheapish. See, Cheaper but, than a T4.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting to me.
0: Do you remember that shop we were at where we saw a T four for sale for twelve hundred dollars? Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah, Sure Shot Multitelly. I will also mention that is not the only Sure Shot that I've owned. When I went to Italy, I bought a Sure Shot Classic one hundred and twenty, which is a autofocus thirty five millimeter from the I think mid nineties with kind of classic styling. It's supposed to look like an old rangefinder camera, and I enjoyed that too. The shots were fine. Hmm. I don't have that one anymore either. No, <laughs> I have talked about the Canon One Ten ED Twenty, which is a lovely One Ten camera with a real rangefinder. It's aperture priority. Lovely camera. I'm almost done. Next, <laughs> are you ready for this? I don't I'm know if ready. you've seen these.
1: What is he doing? Okay, let let's be honest with this. Okay, <laughs> let me tell you something. Those are the coolest looking cameras, I have to tell you. The colors. Look at that. And there were these typewriters that came in like six different colors. And this is just kind of the feel. But. Yes. Tell me how the pictures are.
0: Okay. First, explain What I'm holding up, this is the Canon Demi. Okay? Canon was just as into half frame as Olympus was. And they tried to get on the half frame bandwagon. And they came up with the Demi, which is a perfect name for a half frame camera because it means half. Look at these cute cameras. They made the standard Canon Demi has black leatherette. Right. They did a commemorative like a special edition that was only sold in the Australian market where to reflect the colors of the Australian flag, it had red, blue and white. Yep. Look at that. I had to collect them all and it was not easy to find them. The white is kind of cream colored, which is, and aren't they so neat looking? Built in meter, really easy to set and shoot. But you know what, Gabe?
1: <laughs> oh no. Tinny. Oh no. Tinny. But wait a minute. How are those pictures?
0: The pictures are fine. The pictures are fine. <laughs> These, this, this lens is, is a 28 millimeter 2.8. Yeah. Okay, so the half frame equivalent, it's roughly a 40. You'd think I'd love that. The meter is fine. Look how wonderful it is. Fits in your pocket. They're nice. They're nice. I don't love it the way I love the Olympus Pen EE three. I don't shoot with it as much. Mm-hmm. It just does not
1: feel as reliable. But look, oh, it's it's nice. Picture, Canon it, Demi. Tell are me nice. about this because I, you know how I love sharpness. How yes. is the sharpness on that lens? It's pretty good. Hmm. It's pretty good. The the interesting thing is the prices for the. Um, the ones that are in that look chrome and black, yeah, are not not, not expensive. Not expensive at all. When you get into no. the colors, like there's a red and blue one, it's for two hundred thirty nine dollars, and you get the green ones for three thirty, and you get the different colored ones. The red one for one hundred fifty, yeah, another one for uh, mint green for one hundred fifty. I mean, I love the colors. I just don't know. Oh, they yeah, work. they're
0: pretty good. I should also mention the Demi. There are other versions of the Demi. There's a version called the Demi. I believe it's the Demi EE17, which has interchangeable lenses. No.
1: Yeah. God, I've never heard it has of. That's
0: three different lenses, half frame. I've never used it. Right. But I, I don't want to... Listen... Are there any Canon Demi lovers out there? I'd like to hear from them. I don't shoot with this much at all. I like them. I hang on to them because they're pretty. If we were ever to do a Marie Nikondo, this would be tough because I hang on to them primarily because they're so cute. Right. And I have them in red, white, blue. Two more objects before we depart the Canon of it all. Unless you have other ones you want to talk about. No. Nope. Am I missing I think anything? You,
1: you've hit it, and I think that okay. that's, that's where I'm at. Okay.
0: Okay. I just bought another one. (laughs) No. Okay. There is a camera that, now that we're talking about half-frame cameras, there is a camera that I worshipped. When I was a kid, I saw a picture of this camera, the Canon Dial. Do you know this camera? No. You see them at camera shows all the time. Yeah, 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 The lens has around it, a CDS meter right? With its little dots, so it looks like a phone dial, and that's why they call it the Canon dial. It has a clockwork drive, which you wind with a knob on the bottom, and it's half-frame, 35 millimeter. The film travels top to bottom instead of side to side. So unlike a lot of half-frame cameras, it's landscape mode wow. and not portrait mode, right? Because the film's going vertically. Here's the problem. None of them work. No. I have never ever, ever been able to find a working Canon dial. Wow. And if you go on eBay and look for one, if you see a working one, they are selling for like $600. It's insane. The clockwork mechanism is so unreliable. Get this. So that's a very unorthodox looking camera. Right. Late in the run, they came out with an alternate version of the Canon dial called the Canon dial rapid, which is a conventional looking, it looks almost like this. It looks almost like the Canon Demi. It uses Rapid cassettes, and it has a clockwork drive. Oh I just boy. bought one from a seller in Portugal. It was cheap. It was cheap. It's was like 100 bucks. It's on the way. <laughs> it uses those annoying Rapid cassettes, so God knows, right, Oh boy. how annoying that's going to be. It's on the way, guys. Wait for the report. I'm excited to hear about that. It could be a lot of fun. Any other Canons in your life? Did you ever shoot Canon digital
1: SLRs? Yes. Okay. So what I did is I came very, 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 very late to the Canon 5D, you know, which was sort of became the standard for a long time. And I would be shooting that and I absolutely loved it. And then what happened Mm -hmm. is, and then they there were all these different Canon, you know, DSLRs and the, the Canon 7 and then... And then, you know, the video quality was broadcast. I mean, it was incredible. Wow. And then Sony came along. And Canon still has amazing cameras, but Sony just sort of did something that, you know, made such an impact on, yeah. on, on those Canon cameras that people really moved over towards Sony and use Canon lenses on their Sonys. I still have the 5D and I use the 5D and I love it it's beautiful i mean every time i shoot with it it's amazing yes it's not you know doesn't have the 600 552 billion pixels (laughs) but um i've learned that i don't need all those pixels but right it's a great camera and they make great lenses for it and i still use the 5d and 5ds are not expensive anymore
0: obviously guys this has been far from a comprehensive survey of the illustrious <laughs> brand known as Canon. Do you have other favorite Canons that we didn't talk about? We didn't Please really talk so much us. about I'm the T-Series. tell I'm sure we're forgetting something. Let's hear from you. If you've used the Canon Flex, if you've used other Canon rangefinders, particularly the early ones, the Leica copies, let's hear from you guys. Far from comprehensive. That's our watchword. We will never tell you everything you need to
1: know. <laughs> In fact, that should be our new slogan. It shouldn't be. We are. I dream of cameras, the podcast that will tell you some of what you need to know. How about that? <laughs> that feels, that feels better. You know, we're going to try to tell cameras, you some stuff. Far from comprehensive. Perfect. Far from, that's our next t-shirt. <laughs> exactly.
0: Exactly. All right. As you know, you should follow us on Instagram. I dream of cameras. You should consult our website. I for all your I dream of cameras, merchandise needs. Boy, the uh, Scannenberg Uncertainty Principle t-shirt is outpacing all comers on the merch shelf. Follow Gabe on the Instagram, Gabe Sachs, IMS Jeff Greenstein on the Instagram. Any other thank yous we must thank? The thank yous, Gabe.
1: We have to thank the amazing Keith Greenstein for giving us our amazing look and the incredibly talented Fred Corey. What a duo they are. Um, Incredible. For our great music and theme song and mailbag and... Don't worry. There are going to be other sounds coming into our podcast as <laughs> he's we become. Given,
0: yeah. He's <laughs> given us a whole library yeah. and we're just starting to tap. I yes. feel like what I need, and I think he did give us this, is a fight us cue.
1: Yes. No, he has it.
0: He has yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I might drop it in. If you may have heard it in this episode, if I can find the right one, <laughs> you might hear a fight us cue. So thank you to those gentlemen. This concludes the prime. What is it? The bingo ball? The prime?
1: Uh, yes, episode? it's in your bingo prime, ball. I think, is in, what the 29 means in yes. bingo. And if you don't realize that, please go out and play bingo in your local pool hall. Where do they play yes. bingo? Churches? Gabe, the next... Temples? Ch- church, yeah, church basements. Yeah. Church basements. The next episode is going to be 30. Oh, my goodness. Holy Oh, cow. my goodness.
0: Thank you to everyone who wrote in. Thank you to everyone who follows us. Thank you to all the podcasts that have had us as guests. We have to say that. We've appeared on a lot of podcasts lately. There's one more inbound, by the way, right? Mm-hmm. We're not going to name check it yet, mm-hmm. but we will promote it on the Instagram when it happens. And thanks, as always, to the Sunny16 gang for giving us a home. All right, take us out of here, Mr. Sacks.
1: So if anyone out there can please help me with this XA4, <laughs> I mean, I know. like Jeff loves it. He gets all these sharp pictures. I'm really doubting he's using the XA4. <laughs> And I think what he's doing is using another camera and getting really sharp pictures. I will post my blurry pictures very soon. I will know in the next few days. But uh, please uh, help me. I need help.